0: This is We Are Netflix, Netflix employees talking about work and life at Netflix.
1: To build a truly global entertainment company, you need to be global. Instead of sitting in our U.S. headquarters and creating content we expect the rest of the world to enjoy, we need to be working on the ground where our members actually live. We need to be forming business relationships with local companies. And we need to be working closely with local content creators. I'm Lyle Troxell. In the last episode of We Are Netflix, I visited Tokyo to learn about our Japanese operations. In the next few episodes, I visit Amsterdam, where Netflix has its European headquarters. In this first Amsterdam installment, a conversation with Maria Ferreres, our Vice President of Business Development for EMEA, which stands for Europe, the Middle East, and Africa. Maria describes her team as a virtual United Nations. They're multicultural, multinational and multilingual i learned how they're building international business partnerships entering new markets and building bridges across geographies and economies maria why are you building a business development team in europe middle east and africa
0: well i think two main reasons one is you need to be close to the partners. So um, business development is a role that involves lots of external conversations. So being physically close and being able to travel and see the partners as often as possible.
1: When you say visit business partners, do you mean internal to Netflix or external?
0: External. Okay. External. So um, our main job is to work with external partners. So third parties that are not content providers. That's what we um, relate to. My team is very much in the center of the conversation, both internally and externally. So we speak with almost everyone within the company, from the engineers to the side, to the payments, uh, finance, marketing, legal, content. You're, so You're uh, running the business. Yeah, We're not running the business, but we are very much at the core. When, when you have a conversation with a third party, the conversations are 360. So you really need to expand in so many different fields. It's not like we drive all the conversations, but we need to coordinate and ensure like the whole message gets appointed. And that's why we very much align with many different parts of the company. So being close, physically close to the partners is great. And the other thing I do believe is critical as well in our markets is um, language, being able to speak the language. So my team is very much like the United Nations. We speak many different languages. And it's a very diverse team coming from different cultures, different backgrounds, uh, with different set of skills that really help us to be more successful when we relate with external partnerships.
1: I've heard that we i like to hire people that can speak English in, in Netflix. It's kind of a requirement almost. But you're saying that it's essential to have the language of the business partner you want us to communicate with to be effective?
0: Mm-hmm. Obviously, English is the language we use internally. It'd be very difficult for someone to operate, as I mentioned before, with so many functions if you couldn't speak English properly and express yourself and write a memo and all the yeah. things we do. Um, but Externally, you need to be able to communicate and not just communicate um, in a transactional way. You need to be able to express, you need to be able to extract information, you need to be able to influence, you need to be able to negotiate. And uh, the more you can speak the local language, the better, the better that's going to that's gonna happen. Because in the end, you build in relationships and, and language is a key part of the relationship.
1: So when you have a partnership like, um, I mean, we, can we use Telefonica? As an example, mm-hmm. that's good. Let's talk about that partner. What, what is that? What is that business?
0: Um, so Telephonic has been a very talented partner. We were so that deal was in the making for like over seven years uh, before we made it happen. Because yeah, like many different components from uh, interconnection side to uh, uh, possibilities of the bundle and many different it's, things. It's so, an ISP
1: and um, a service provider. Uh,
0: well, is is uh, a mobile operator? Is a TV operator? Is a um, it's, a, it's got fixed uh, lines, it's got broadband, so it's got like the whole, the whole carrier side what of the story.
1: Um,
0: so Spain, Ladsham, and also in uh, Germany and the UK with the brand O2.
1: Okay, so they also run O2. Yes,
0: they yeah, okay. run O2, so yeah. O2 is 100% Telefonica. So this is a large group uh, with presence in many different markets uh is one of the most powerful carriers in the world and what it means for us is we were able to close a good partnership especially in Spain where is the is the uh, headquarters for them and it was very difficult for us to do it in the past, but we managed to find something that we both parties wanted, and we launched our first bundle in Spain with them.
1: And a bundle means that with some other service, we get added in?
0: Yes, exactly. So we become part of their portfolio. So Netflix becomes a fixed part of like some of the packages they do. So they do sell broadband, mobile, uh, television, fixed lines, everything together. And Netflix gets added as a new component into the equation, but all packets.
1: So, and that's beneficial in some sense for us too, because directly, as a customer gets one of their bundles, they also get a, our service that they might not have thought to get. But also, it's one-time purchase for them. in I mean, it's a multiple-month multiple thing, but it's all one bill. So there's like this real benefit for the consumer to make it really easy for us, them to get us. Exactly. So
0: it's one bill. It's also um, when you access to Netflix, you could. Access with the same um, device mm. that you use uh, for their paid television, for example. So you don't need to think about like any external devices. It's just like you're watching something and you, you spend your time on the same interface. So that really helps in terms of uh, the user um, on a daily basis. But it's also like... Um, um, be more economical than you add all the pieces separately. So for the consumer, it's definitely very good. And for us, anything that makes Netflix more accessible, easier, uh, becomes a no-brainer, is good. We're working hard to get the content and get the best experience. And if we can make it more accessible and easier for uh, the user to find and to use, um, objective accomplished.
1: Yeah, of course. So worked on that for seven years. You've been here for two years and you, you closed it.
0: There's been a whole team that's been working on that. It's not just been me. Sure, so nice. um, it's you. sometimes you just need a catalyst to make things happen. But I have to say we were all, always as well successful with other players like Sky. It's also like a long deal that was in the making. Free in France. That was also like a long deal in the making. So... It's been a great year for us, I'd say. Last year was very impressive.
1: 2018, we we launched bundles with Sky, Telefonica, and also Free in in France. Yes, exactly. And All Sky the bundles.
0: and Sky, sorry, and Sky in uh, Germany and the UK, both places.
1: So that's pretty impressive. I mean, did we? I'm assuming that Sky and Telefonica are competitors in the UK. Do we? Is that negotiation part of that? Meaning that we make sure that we can be friendly with two competitors in the same market? They, they of course, wouldn't want that, right? They want to have a primary seat. How do you deal with that? <laughs>
0: it's a pretty interesting question because it's one of our um, priorities is how we find uniqueness of each partner in each region because we don't exclusive, so we don't do exclusive. We, um, um, we're available in the market as start to consumer and we're also available through partners, so exclusivity wouldn't make any sense per se. Right. Uh, but we always try to find um what makes this partnership unique. What is the strength of um the partner and how for both can sides. yeah how can Netflix help the partner into bringing that strength up in a way that for example in the sky in the u k is the the premium t v so it's kind of like the pay TV per excellence and we wanted to prime that and we what we did is we worked together to create the the best entertainment bundle because you're like the best of the different shows and the best of different series best of movies so we worked together to kind of like get that even bigger. What we did with Telefonica in Spain, Telefonica is great in convergence. So they have like the four play offers with broadband, mobile, fix, and television. So someone can and, move into an apartment
1: uh, and get one thing and yes, have everything. Yes, yeah. exactly.
0: So you just want one thing and then you want everything together. Just We we can provide it to you. Um, and I think that's why we're trying to achieve is we use, like, we have like three main components in these partnerships. So we call the product side. We got the uh promotion marketing and we got the go to market or commercial side. What is the offer? What we what we like, what is the consumer approach we have. When you mix the the three kind of areas, um, uh, you can get like many different variables and create a very unique experience as well with the partners. Yeah. And that's what we're trying to achieve. So we spend lots of time really positioning what we're trying to do in the three parts of the story, trying to maximize the value of our partners in the market.
1: All right. Interesting. And do you communicate most of that? I'm assuming since we're talking about this publicly, you communicate that with the partners as well, that we're looking at that that way.
0: Yeah, because I I believe the best way to do business is being very transparent, very open about what you're trying to achieve. So acknowledging why you want to do these partnerships and asking what was in, what was in it for you as well. Yeah. Because I think um, this is a true partnership. It's a long-term agreement. Um, It requires lots of investment and effort on the two sides. So you need to be very certain about what we're trying to achieve. And the closer you are to your partner's strategy, the pair is going to work right. because if you make your partner successful, <laughs> they will continue doing things for you. They will, you won't, you won't need to force them to do things for you because right. it's you
1: maximizing the value. You don't want a bad relationship where you're always mani- maintaining it. You want it to work. Well. Exca- exactly.
0: Yeah. Exactly. And and also um, what I tell my team as well, this is not about making deals because everyone says, oh, you working in business, but I'm just making deals. This is about building partnerships. Which is very different from just making deals. Uh, it's not like we make a deal and we disappear. Uh, is we build a partnership that starts by signing a deal.
1: Why is the zeitgeist to use the idea of making deals? Like, why is that associated with business development?
0: Because I think it's very common that people think like you are there to negotiate, and it's very exciting. I mean, when you like negotiating, it's like when you're on that side, it's like making the deals, and working on the different components, and all the challenges that comes ahead are kind of like the, 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 the probably the most um, interesting thing part yeah, of the, the job. Sellable At least moment, the sellable yeah. moment. Yeah, so yeah. It's like, wow, it's the wow well moment, right? When you sign like a difficult part, it's like, wow, it's the wow well moment, we made it happen. Um, so this is very easy to abandon yourself to the idea oh, I just to sign the deal that's it <laughs> my job is done <laughs> I'm for vacation and and uh, yes I think you still celebrate so don't, don't get me wrong I think you still celebrate definitely the the deals you make but that shouldn't be the objective of the um, of the collaboration that should be the beginning of how we work together is a is a constant relationship where we need to be evolving constantly at the time especially the partners we work with and in technology they are in constant evolution they're very right. dynamic so it's not like you sign a deal and then you done. wait for the, <laughs> right. for the next years to see what happens. You need to be constantly working on that. I,
1: I get that. I, I think the idea of making the deal has some idea in that, that it's there's some kind of trickery happening. Mm-hmm. And it sounds like the, the transparency and the partnership, that's not what we're trying to achieve. We're not trying to get something out of it. We're trying to build something together. Exactly. Yeah, it's a very different flow. I like that that's the, the way you're thinking about it. Excellent.
0: And also I think makes the deal um, – probably as well more interesting for the other side because the trade-offs aren't transactional in the sense like, oh, I give you this, you give me that. The the trade-offs could be made as well and built within the time because what what you need today might be different than what you need in two years' time. Okay. And we should be able to find a way to still find an interesting part of the practices in two years' time. And that's why you do it in a way that's not transactional. but are you building in, in the relationship?
1: It seems to me that Europe, the Middle East, and Africa is a lot of places. I don't understand how you even start breaking that down into actionable items. I was reading through some of the internal memos that you your team produces to kind of get a feel for what you do. And seeing a lot of it is, well, this is strategic stuff that we're not going to talk about publicly. But a lot of it is about figuring out, well, where can we be impactful? What countries and such, right? So I think that kind of loosely encompasses like 150 countries
0: 133 <laughs> 133 nicely done <laughs>
1: um, and i'm assuming that we have to look at the ones that have a larger population that can watch our content or interesting content or watch content we could produce and figure out how to do it that first so of that 133 how many countries are we actually kind of talking about in the next year as being a focus for you
0: so we focus on around 30. It's a little bit less than that. Um, That's still a bit lot. It's, it's still a lot. It's yeah. still a lot. But I mean, still, we got lots of other lots markets do, to sure. go to. And and I know for for our partners in regions that are outside of those 30 markets, um, sometimes it's frustrating because they want to do things with us and we want to, but... Um we're not that yet. Yeah. Uh, and and it's difficult to So um so one of the first things I did when I came here is trying to like get some sort of um science <laughs> if you can behind which markets we do and which markets we don't do. So what we did is we created what we call a framework where we um kind of like took into account What is the opportunity size in terms of um, size of the market, broadband uh, households? So it's not just like size of the market, the markets are very large, but... If the access to the internet is not uh, massive, then it becomes more difficult for us to really get a, a, a nice penetration in it, those markets.
1: It's one of the internal words we use a lot, broadband homes or broadband access. Yeah, broadband right? access. If you have could, a country with 100 million people, but there's only 30 broadband, that's only 30 customer potential. Exactly. So you, that, that calculation is really important. Yes.
0: is Broadband households could be also mobile. In some cases, not just fixed, because we tend to think like it's broadband is very much not fixed. I think fixed we've all line. kind of
1: understood that broadband households really also means mobile yes. with broadband. It's yes, exactly. Same. It's exactly. That so can it's, actually use our
0: Exactly, access mm-hmm. to the internet.
1: So that's an important factor. That's obviously. an important
0: factor because that means what is the potential size of the market. So how big it can the opportunity can be, which obviously when you decide to do, it's like the bigger the opportunity is the better it's going to be for us. But there's also another component that is critical for us, which is what we call the, the product market fit, which means Pro- how… Market fit? Product market fit.
1: Product market fit, uh, okay. Which
0: is how, how good… Is Netflix in that market. And there's a mix of many, many different things. It could be content, so how much content is available in that market, um, uh, how much content is available in that language, are we localized? That means is the local language uh, part of the user interface? Can we have a customized user interface? That means we can address this, um, specific, that specific audience in that specific market. Or is this an international um, user interface? Do we have local currency? Uh, can you pay local currency or you need to use dollars or euros?
1: So all of these things aren't really blockers, but they definitely determine how viable it's going to be.
0: Yes, exactly, because... If if it's an English speaking market, obviously it's more likely that the the content, content already available sure. um, is suitable for the market. If it's a non English speaking market, then it becomes probably more nuanced. Is um, is the content subtitled? Is the content adapted? So is locally available in a way that the the mass um, the mass market can actually consume
1: the content. Okay, so so, so the two you're ta- we're talking about right now, just a. To- lie it down, is how many broadband members there are, and then how much our product potentially fits. And that's not something necessarily we control, but it's also both those things can change over time. Yes, exactly. Countries are investing in more broadband, but also we're investing in more languages. And at some point, you know, we'd hope to be able to make content at every language, you know, in some magical space. where we Exactly. All
0: and I think what you said is the key of this thing. So this framework, um, we revise every six months or so. Six months because it's long enough to make it stable so that. you can't really like <laughs> tense all the time but also short enough to ensure that like, we capture any sort of big uh, massive changes that could happen because if we if um, a country gets a big investment in broadband in some places you can see the results in six months or we decide to invest in content in some of these markets so we do a massive um, subtitling or dubbing in certain languages which we constantly are doing constantly we're evolving into adding more languages to our interfaces then you can see very quickly that the results are like um, more appealing of yeah. Netflix in that market. And and so we build this kind of like framework in these bubbles that ke- uh, keep evolving, uh, like the markets that keep evolving on the broadband side and on the product market feed.
1: And you basically gra- you, you mark these things up per country and then you graph them and kind of look at yes. where they sit. Exactly. And go, well, here's a cluster of regions that are a good fit do have broadband, and we're not doing it yet. Yes, and so we move to those Exa- exactly. So,
0: so when the market fit is very low, or when the opportunity is very small, we are on hold for the moment because if you go too early into a market, and some people say, "Oh, let's let's do a test, let's do, try something," what happens is what I call the double failure. Um, one because you go to the market, um, and uh, and then you try to get the users to try the users, the consumers go, maybe you've been successful, uh, you get a partnership, the consumer tries Netflix, so, oh, this is not for me. This is like all in English, I don't really understand the things, it's not even subtitle, I need to pay in dollars, this is, oh, I don't like it. Uh, but also it's going to be bad on the, on the partner side because they're going to say, oh, this is not really valid for me to attract right. customers. We invest all these resources, all this resources yeah. and this is not really working for us. So, so what happens is when Netflix is ready in that market, you need to convince both the consumer and the, the partner. partner that, yeah. yes, now we're ready. Now we can do that.
1: So your your framework really is just a, a metric on how likely we are to succeed in a market. Yeah. It's not just whether it's worth it, it's really whether it, we could succeed at all.
0: Yeah, exactly. So so for us, um, that has become really important and critical in how we decide the priorities and how we put our time. Because when we think we're ready, uh, we got the metrics of saying, okay, it seems like yeah, it's more likely you can be successful. Then we can invest resources and be very focused on making that
1: successful. So for example, we a while ago decided to start uh, localizing, making everything available in Polish. Right. And that allowed us to launch the service and even start doing originals in Polish and sure enough we're having success there. So exactly. that was based on these early metrics of it. Is it time for us to localize everything? Yeah. Which exactly. was the first step
0: Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And and that happens not just because of the language like South Africa is an interesting market as well, because um, main language is English. Um, so Ideally, we were already there, but for example, we weren't localized in currency, so you, you couldn't pay in local
1: currency. You How would people pay if they were in South Africa then?
0: In, at, at the moment in local currency, but that, that only changed last year. So before people were paying dollars, and because the currency fluctuation is so high... You wouldn't know how much you would pay for Netflix. Uh, you could pay fifty percent more one month, sixty percent less the next month, right. and that will create a loss of experience. unhappy because you couldn't really predict it. And right. some people will say, oh, "I'm going to cancel it because suddenly so, I'm paying much more than I expected." So what you're
1: saying is because they were able to still pay in dollars somehow? They're doing some service to do that. I don't know how they do it, but. When they look at their bank account, they 're seeing Netflix cost one month be thirteen, one month well, be forty two yeah. and like some crazy jumping yeah
0: you yeah. you transfer that to the local currency uh, because it fluctu- looks like we're doing yeah. something wrong <laughs> the fluctuation of the local currency is so high yeah. in relation to the dollar, what happened is the actual conversion of money. Was fifty percent more, sixty percent less, yeah, and, and it was kind of like, yeah, it was a good surprise, a bad surprise.
1: So we turned, we made some relationship with some bank or something, so that we could do this effectively there.
0: Yeah. So we did is what well, we localized in um, local currency last year at the end of last year, and um, so now when you're in South Africa, you can pay local currency, and you can you know exactly how much you pay, and it doesn't well, that's good doesn't for- become like a gamble, like you kind of idea what's going to happen.
1: For- so you uh, did we do a lot of marketing to those customers before doing that or did we go we're not ready really to push hard here you can get it but because it's not localized financially we don't want to make the investment we don't want to sour a whole bunch of people was that kind of the idea
0: yes so so we did some things in the past but um i would say our focus started after the localization because then we were ready to do things so we did um launch an agreement with Telkom south africa which is the main player there
1: if we took if we switched over the finances such that they're now paying in their the currency, and the currencies are still fluctuating. Does that mean we're taking that hit now for the fluctuating currencies? Yeah. Is that okay?
0: Well, that's, that's the, um, we did our calculations. <laughs> that's and, the price and to do business. Price, yes, that's yeah. the price to do business. So that happens in some markets. Argentina is also like a high fluctuating market. Yeah. So it's obviously more more risk on our side, but it's a much better consumer experience. And I think as an international company, we need to ensure like if we want to be in a market, we need to do – the best we can for the consumers in that market.
1: I want to speak about your experience of of (laughs) starting at Netflix. Um, You were at YouTube slash Google for 10 years. Mm -hmm. That's a pretty long time to be a Googler. Um, Tell me about why you decided to leave there.
0: So first of all, I think I only have good words for Google. It's an amazing company. I absolutely loved every single minute of my time there. Um, I worked for Google for 10 years, all that time on YouTube. I was like the fifth employee for EMEA for YouTube. Wow. Um, I met the founders. It was like really fun, uh, that time. Cause we were building, um, YouTube is huge today, but at that time I remember like we were saying, I think it was like less than an hour of um, uploads every minute. Now I think they're like 500 or 600. I kind of lost uh, count on that. Uh,
1: hours um, of uploading Hours, Yeah,
0: yeah but mm-hmm. like hundreds of hours. Um, and at that time we thought one hour a <laughs> I minute mean, was a lot. So I was blessed by the opportunity of like growing a business in in, in EMEA and in the way that happened with a company like Google and with a pro- like uh, YouTube. But after ten years, what happens is um, I felt like my mission was done. So we were signed. We signed like uh, so many partnerships. I was on the content partnership by that time. What does what the partner side look like for YouTube? So at that time, I was on the content side. So, I mean, anyone can upload content onto YouTube. The mission of my group was to ensure that we were working with third parties to incentivize them to upload more content and more quality content. So I work with um, broadcasters, production companies, sports organizations, uh, all the football
1: this is why, like, pretty much any media production company also has a YouTube channel that has content of their yes, stuff. exactly. That points back to their primary or whatever. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But also
0: with creators, I mean, the large creators... Um, there was a moment where they needed to professionalize as well. They were yeah. they were doing things. So from a casual YouTuber that uploads a video from time to time to the ones that really create like their own businesses the weekly, yeah, and their yeah. like their own production companies and their own like um, production sort of inds as well. So, so you
1: help that process happen. Here. So we
0: help them yeah. into getting more knowledge of the platform, getting always up to speed with the new things that happen with the platform, follow with them on the business metrics to say like, look, you are. <laughs> Actually, making money because uh, there was like a revenue share on the on the advertising side, so there was a way for for them to like make that a profitable business as well. It sounds so like a pretty our,
1: fascinating job.
0: It, it is. It is fascinating. And I is like there was no dull moment for me. Okay, so ten years <laughs> goes by well, as you doing that. But ten, you're ten years, what happens is like you are. Um, I mean, I was still happy. I wasn't looking for a job, uh, but it's, I was. Kind of like ready to probably do something else because um, I accomplished my mission. I was, I was kind of like I built the platform from something that was very small to something that was very large and and very functional. Mm-hmm. So um, uh, Netflix um, locked my door and they said, "Look, are you ready for the next challenge?" Um, it was a, an EMEA role. It was a VP position, so um, and I really like. The, my current boss <laughs> and uh and it was another talent so there was everything was to be done there was no team here the team was like two people yeah um so So it was, a startup again. So it was like and at uh, that time I was ready I think now to you 10 years in a company like Google which feels like probably 20 because <laughs> lots of things happen uh I was ready for like a new talent and Netflix came came to me is it was, uh, it was I really believe the company could do very well. I, yeah. I like the product as well. So yeah. I think for my age, I was consuming more Netflix. And then something I say as an anecdote, but something happened that really made me take the step. is my daughter at that time was um, only four. And she came to me one day and she said, Mom, can you set up Netflix for me? <laughs> And she didn't say she television, she didn't say YouTube, and YouTube was always obviously available everywhere. And because Netflix was available on Chromecast, because at that time we didn't have the smart TV, sure. uh, she couldn't do it on, on her own. And I thought, well, there's something that we could do to make it How'd easier. Yeah.
1: <laughs> How would she know that she wanted it?
0: Because she saw it, she saw it before. Uh, because I was... I was going to be working for Netflix, so I kind of like, I was just like playing a little bit with yeah. it because I was in the interview and then she saw it and then she was interested in a couple of things. And, uh, and to me that was, wow, it's only for, she cannot do it on her own. Because yeah. uh, for YouTube, she knew how to do it. She had like the YouTube kids and everything mm-hmm. was set up. And then I realized there was a space to make it more accessible as so I can. My daughter, like access to it on her own in a yeah. safe way. And, uh, and that was kind of like the final push that uh, took me to action. Yeah.
1: Um what is what does it look like being an exec here at Netflix? What does it feel like um for partnering, communicating? Are you heard?
0: I think um probably the the best word to describe is empowerment. I feel like um I'm empowered. Um as much as I love um Google, Google was much more process oriented, which means there were like committees and green lights and you had to present things and and um, although that gives you the security that what you're doing is gets the blessing <laughs> and gets the green light, um, sometimes this is very frustrating because we, you need to convince many different people from many different places of something that's happening in France. And it's not; um, it's different here. F- yes, completely different. So that becomes um, uh, much more local. So if something happens in France, the people that are in charge of France could take the decision. And um, it doesn't mean that the decision is taken individually in the sense of, like, you um, you can ask for collaborations, you can ask for questions, but when you um, write a memo, which is uh, the way we normally do things, is like we write a document expressing what is the for example, if it's a deal, what is the deal about, what are the main things to take into account, uh, you ask for opinions. You don't ask for an approval. Yeah, And that's very different because what happens is, Uh, at Netflix is the idea gets either reinforced, uh, talent in some cases, refined. It could be like... Almost always gets uh, refined. Almost always gets refined, which I think is good because um, even if the idea is good, sometimes there might be some parts that you didn't really consider or some areas that you didn't think through. I think I always think like two brains think, uh, think better yeah. than one and 10 brains are better than two.
1: Yeah. So but it's interesting. It's not in a, um, it's not in a committee form. It's in a, you know, me- you write a memo with, with an idea, you put it to a whole bunch of smart people that are colleagues. You say, this is what I'm thinking. And they say, make sure you touch this. I don't, I disagree here. You know, do you have any study, do you have any research to, to yeah. support this point? So it's really about, empowering that a person is making the decision.
0: Exactly. But the final decision is yours. Like even if uh, imagine like you asked 10 people and the 10 people said, I don't think it's a great idea, uh, but you still think it's a great idea. You can still take it. Obviously if you got like many people against it, if it doesn't work, then it'd be, it'd be more difficult for you to justify why you did it. So the expectation is you really listen to what people are saying, but you're still able to defend your idea till the end. So you can, Lance you can do whatever. So everyone at Netflix could sign a deal. Obviously this comes with a consequence. If You sign something that's very bad and is completely uh, nonsensical then right. then it will be a consequence. But um that empowerment really helps people to take the right decisions.
1: And so you're seeing that in your staff?
0: Oh yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And 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 it's not just the um to Netflix, I think is the what makes Netflix really Um, successful in the long term because it allows to move fast. You don't need to pass a green light committee for six months to do something. So if you really really believe in something, in a week you can make things
1: happen. How do you make sure to hire people that can make decisions well if they have so much power in the decisions they make?
0: I think that's a critical thing. I, I I do spend lots of time in hiring. So every person I hire in my team has been part of a long process. Not long because we <laughs> didn't want to get people, it's because we interview many, many people. But also because I think we need to be very thorough in understanding how independent people can be, um, how their judgment can work. What is the knowledge, the background knowledge that can help them to get into that? What is their their persistence, the relationship with the others that can allow them to do that? Especially in our role where they need to take into account so many different parts and they need to speak with so many different people. It's not just someone that says, okay, you, are, you know about payments or you know about the engineering side, it's you need to have an idea, okay, this is a financial issue, this is a legal issue, yes. <laughs> this is a content issue, this is a marketing issue. So someone needs to be very polyvalent in the way that approaches deals. So um, the hiring process is critical into that. And and I also believe the coaching part is really important, like how you do the onboarding, how you help um, someone to really understand, okay, this is great, maybe here you slot probably um, ask more people about this thing and maybe you need to refine this idea a little bit more. So how you really help people to understand once they're in the company, how, uh, how to work.
1: Did somebody Is help them. you do that?
0: Um, <laughs> well, I was, I was kind of like setting out the team, but um, I was lucky enough to spend uh, enough time at Google to really allow me to be very thorough about the, um, the thinking about the things and uh, and then I decided the freedom to mm-hmm. act upon the things and I and I got like very highly supported by my, my boss as well as my manager in the uh, in, in the US. Yeah.
1: Your your managers in the US, right? I mean you're you're here as a lead managing things. How challenging is it to work with the time shift and the across the continent or across the uh, the world issue?
0: Well, it, it was like that for me at Google as well. So, um, you're used to it. I've been, I've, been, <laughs> I've been used to it for a long time. So so people say, oh, you're very lucky because you don't have your boss here. Um, but the truth is you don't have someone that you can share things with in a spontaneous way. So you need to be much more... Um, organized into ensuring that the communication has to be very clear, very transparent, that you communicate the things that have a value, uh, that you request time with uh, uh, one-to-ones to be able to discuss things, ask questions, um, think about opinions. So you need to spend lots of time on the communication. I think the communication is key in that, in that part because you don't have something spontaneous. There's like, no, I can have a coffee with you and say yeah. oh how's things going <laughs> you, don't,
1: you don't want each other to yeah. And and, and
0: video conference is great but sometimes it can be very transactional and it's something that I try to avoid it becomes just like oh, uh, point one, two, three, and then I say <laughs> you finish, it's like try to make it more a conversation and also I, I try to spend time face to face as well as much as possible like I travel to the US um, probably I would say 5-6 times a year at least, sometimes more
1: we have uh, most of our staff in Europe inside, in Amsterdam, where we are right now, um, but we're opening up offices. Why?
0: What is is part of what we're saying. I think being closer to the consumer and being closer to the culture is something that as we grow, I think it becomes a necessity. Um, but I don't think that's something that... Um, to make our lives more difficult, but I think it should be the other way around is to make our lives easier in the sense that we should have uh, more closeness to work, to the action to the, way the consumer is to what's happening. The challenge obviously is like we need to ensure like we don't lose the culture that we can like keep as a one team uh, that we spend enough time together. Because I, I think the physical contact is something that can be <laughs> replaced by anything. Yeah. I mean, in the face-to-face, uh, the coffee together, that's yeah. not replaceable by um, 10 VCs. But obviously, the technology really helps into making the, com- the communication really um, dynamic and up to speed all the time. So, uh, we just need to be much more aware of, like, we're not on the f- same physical location. So, we need to put an effort. But I think it allows us to be more present in more places.
1: So, we're opening a Paris office and we're opening a Madrid office. Are you going to be based in Madrid?
0: <laughs> Everyone asked me that question. <laughs> <laughs> the weather is better than Amsterdam, I had to say. But no, no, I'll be based in Amsterdam. I, I, my My role is at the headquarters. My team is here. This and, is still headquarters. Um, the headquarters. You no the headquarters yeah. That's not going to change anything. So, uh, no, I'll, I'll travel to Madrid as I travel to other offices, but I won't be moving.
1: But you'll have staff in those areas, in those, in those countries, in those offices that are in those regions.
0: So in, in the case of my team, because my team works in clusters, mm-hmm. uh, so I don't have someone that's working just for France or just for Spain. So they do in more countries as well. Um, they're very senior, uh, members. So everyone is here except for one person I have in London. Okay. And that, that's to be for the moment as we grow and then we get more granular, we will that probably have merge, right? uh, people in the offices, but not in the first uh, state.
1: Maria, you're working with partners all throughout Europe. So you're, you know, sitting in an executive, uh, meeting with some telco or whatever. How many times are the other executives you're chatting with the other company female? Not many. (laughs) Not many. Tell me a bit about that here in Europe.
0: I think there is awareness of it. There's a huge awareness of it. It's just um, in some cases, it's a question of time, especially the companies I work with are very um, traditional telcos. Um, They've been working in technology, so I think it takes a while to get into it. But I would say there's awareness everywhere, and more and more you find um, female executives Maybe not at the top position, sure. but like in in executive positions. So I think more and more you find them. It's just a question of like I think the the the, the time that doesn't doesn't arrive right yet. So, but it's but it's awareness. I would say there's like a big um, movement into ensuring that women have their voices. And um, as I said, with the nat- non-native speakers, I think it's a question of the two sides. It's a question of um, the companies is to add the awareness and ensure like women have the chances, but also it's a question of women raising their hands and saying, I'm here, yeah. versus waiting for someone to appoint them. Oh, you are the selective person, um, which I think is more on the female character to wait. I don't think we should be waiting as a man wouldn't wait to say, I want to be promoted, and, and a woman should say the
1: same. Are you helping staff that you know compensate for that? Like try to empower people to... Take their voice? I mean, are you doing work in that space?
0: Yes, I've, I've been always very active in ensuring that. Um, I, I don't believe this is a society where is women versus men, <laughs> vice versa. I think it's more society where women and men <laughs> are living, working together. Uh, you can be a father of a daughter. You can have a sister. You can have a wife. Uh, I think we all kind of like live together, and I think that's the way. That's the way to go. So I think my aspiration would be to normalize the, the position and to help both sides to um, see this as a parent. And, and sometimes when I ask a question like, "When you think of an engineer, you wouldn't think of me. <laughs> um, why not?"
1: Yeah, yeah. And I
0: think it's about forcing people. When I work for Google, one of the things that um, I always did ensure that we put time when we organized an event or we did something that like Google organized this um, think tank, so think um, Google events. And I realized, like, uh, one of them eh, it was all male speakers, very good speakers. So the, the panel was amazing. But uh, I complained and I said, Look, there's no one woman. And the answer I got from the team is, No, no, no. It's just like, this is the best we could get. This is like the best people. I say, but I'm sure we can find some women that could do that. No, no, there's no, like, women scientists, there's no, like, women in inspirational values... And it's not the thing, is maybe you haven't seen them so much, so you need to spend more time into looking for them. And that's what we did, and we found an amazing panel. We did 50-50 in the end, so 50% of the speakers were men, 50% of the speakers were women. Just because you did more work finding uh, people. Really. But it was very, it was much more difficult. It wasn't yeah. so obvious because it was like, oh, I saw this guy doing this before. Like many of the women didn't have the same amount of public exposure, but we found amazing researchers, amazing scientists, amazing innovators that were like really inspirational it's just you need to put more time into it and i think it's just putting that little bit of extra effort (laughs) into it are you doing that Um, work here uh, yes for example when we do hiring we always try to put that extra effort like okay can we have um, more people more diversity as well in the panel so we can ensure like we we can have more options as well yeah obviously in the end of the day i think The best candidate needs to to be raised is the same as like the best um, uh, person in the panel. But you can have an effort on the research side, which is something that uh, might not be so obvious, at least at the beginning. Hopefully it becomes a moment where it's normal and it's just you get as naturally as many candidates on one side or the other. Uh, But at the moment, I think you need to force it because it's not coming so organically.
1: Thank you for getting, giving me that feedback on it. And I, I know it's a little hard to – I bring it up and kind of like, you know, is this something that she's always asked because she's a VP? And it feels like, should I not ask? But at some level, you know, not talking about it doesn't make it go away. We've got to engage in this conversation as much as we can so that we can make sure we pull enough people in uh, hmm. to hear yeah. in any the environment. <laughs>
0: just, yeah. just a comment on that because I go on an interview and, and the journalist asked me about – because I got two kids and, and – and the journalists asked me about how I will have um, lifetime balance because like, I travel very much, and uh, how I do with the kids. And I snapped and I said, "Will you ask this question to a male to every VP?" Every other person that comes in this if room, if it's yeah. a male, it's a male VP. We ask that question. Yeah, and 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 it sounded a bit short, but I meant it in the sense that um, I, I think there's a moment where if we normalize the situation, you shouldn't be asking. But then I realized that. Um, if the questions are coming, especially for journalists, is because there's still interest and it's still not being normalised. Yeah, that's fair. So if I can help to normalise the things and say, look, you don't need to ask me as even as the others, but if you're interested, I can answer that question yeah. and say how. <laughs> how we do things and i I think it's the same as as the research as the awareness of the things if if people keep asking is because it's not normal yet and i think we need to acknowledge that it's like we need to just like make it and speak about it as many times as we need to just make it a normal thing
1: yeah all right let me ask you about what your current big bet is what's your next thing that you think we're going to do or that you want to work on that's your big next big bet
0: so so one of the things I'm, I'm really fascinated about is about Netflix going to more emerging markets. I think most of the Western Europe, we already kind of like proven to be successful. I think in other places more like Eastern Europe, Middle East and Africa, we still have uh, lots of work to do. So that's probably my big bet is um, how we can really become truly international and expand to other markets. I really advocate for Netflix to really understand the local flavors as much as possible. Yeah. And, and that is part of my challenge as well, how, how we made that happen.
1: <laughs> Maria, thank you for chatting with me today. Before we totally excuse you, I'd like to ask what you're watching right now or what your family's watching, whatever.
0: My daughter now is watching Full House, which is something I watched like thirty years ago. Yeah. <laughs> she's about to get to the Fuller House. Oh, so she's uh, watching the original. This is watching, yeah. This is watching like the previous one. And, and you've then, been watching with her a little bit. Yes, and it's very very fun. I love that mm-hmm.
1: feeling of watching something I watched as a kid with my yes, kids.
0: It, it, that's great, it, especially because it's still like um, it's still fun. It's yeah. still fun to watch. So that's that's very fun. So we've been watching that together. Just yesterday we watched The Boy Who Harnessed the Wind. It's yeah. a very good film. It's, on my list. Uh, it's yeah. good. It makes you think and it makes you really understand the privilege of, like being where we are today so um so i think it's especially good for the kids i finished the oa by the way which is very good uh, i haven't done uh, the most recently i've been
1: waiting for my wife Uh, uh, yeah that's the other thing it's like sometimes
0: you need to wait but that's a very very good one so an afterlife the british one from ricky gervais it's only six episodes where it was in a way that is very very interesting he's really interesting it really hooked me
1: Mm. yeah it's hooked me too maria thank you very much for doing this to me
0: thank you very much it's been a pleasure We Are Netflix is hosted by Lyle Troxell. He's a senior software engineer at Netflix. You can keep up with We Are Netflix on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. To learn more about careers at Netflix, go to jobs.netflix.com.